in following a set of rules and traditions of men while ignoring the commands of God on a particular subject. Well, it's a very good morning, my dear friends, and I do wish you God's blessings for this day, even as you continue to enjoy the blessings of the Lord God, our Father. And um, as followers of Jesus Christ, the question we are going to ask us today, what is expected of us? What should we do? in response to God's goodness to us. The gift of life, the gift of salvation, and the future and the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So we shall be reading from the, from the book of um, John chapter 4, verses 19 to 26. And at the end of it, I pray that we shall have a clear understanding of our proper response to worship our God. Shall we pray? Our gracious Father, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving. We come before you to worship because you are truly our God. And yet, Lord, we are limited in our knowledge of how to relate to you. And we pray, Father, that uh, through your word this morning, we shall be better, we shall have a better understanding of what worship is, true worship is, and we shall respond accordingly. And we pray in the name of Christ Jesus, our loving Savior. Amen. Our word is from John chapter 4, verses 19 to 26. And the word of the Lord says as follows. <clears throat> Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus de declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Jesus is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Amen. Praise the Lord God Almighty. Now, 
What is worship? And what is the correct way to worship? Are the two answers that we are seeking to answer this morning. Now, the psalmist in, in Psalm number 95, verses 6 to 7, the psalmist in Psalm number 95, verses 6 to 7, he, he says, Come, let us bow down and worship our God because he is our God and we are the sheep under his care. That is, I mean, as we know, the, 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 the psalm, the psalms, um, the, 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 the central theme of the, of, of, of the psalms in the Bible is actually praise and worship of God. The knowledge of the true God and our response to this great God who created the universe and created us also in his image. How do we respond to him? And reading the Psalms really, you know, gives us that answer um, in, I mean, in better um, than, than any place else except the teaching of Jesus Christ what is, which is what I'm looking at. Well, that is, well, that is including the teaching of religious Christ, really, because uh, Jesus is also involved in the psalmist. Let me correct that, that one. Now, so, we, the God is our, is our great God, and we ought to kneel before him in worship because he is our God. As simple as that. Because he is our God. And we are his sheep under his care. For that reason, we are to bow down and worship our God. So our scripture reading reveals that um, both the Jews and other nations, other, other, other nations, including the Samaritans and other people of the world, up to this day, worship God as they see him as they view him. And so their worship also falls into various ways and various categories. The Jews, for instance, insisted that true worship can only happen at the temple in Jerusalem, nowhere, nowhere else. And so they used to go there, uh, to Jerusalem um, annually to worship. Well, in the New Testament, uh, we see the synagogues, um, you know, uh, appearing in addition to the temple worship in Jerusalem, but basically worship was was um, uh, was in the temple in Jerusalem. But the Samaritans, on the other hand, according to the Samaritan woman, their own worship, their worship, took place on a mountain. In the, in the Samaritan region. And so you see Jerusalem is true worship. Is, does true worship happen upper mountain or must people go to Jerusalem? Well, worship 
is natural to human beings. Let's start there. That worship is, is natural to human beings. And worship has existed right from the beginning of time. It appears that the first human beings looked up at the sky and also they looked at the world around them and came to one conclusion that all these things could not have come into existence on their own. There must be somebody or something, some power, some superior power who is responsible for bringing these things into being. Therefore, people then, right from the beginning of time, began to worship God in one way or another. Even though they may, may not have known that, you know, his name, uh, but, but uh, God is known by various names, um, in, you know, in, in, um, in, in, in different places here on earth. And so worship has to do with our response to God in the light of what has been revealed to us beginning from what he has created, coming to his self-revelation in the Bible. There are many textbook definitions of worship, but I don't intend to go to these things, to the, these definitions, except to say that worship expresses our heartfelt attitude towards God and our action in response to that attitude. The psalmist, for instance, in Psalm number 116, verses 1 to 12, you know, says this thing, I mean, says, well, a bit of, I mean, talk, uh, talks about this matter of worship, but this is what he says, in just a few verses, it says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. All right? That is the reason the psalmist is calling upon God. He is worshipping God. Sadly, not all worshippers have this kind of attitude. Many worship God for the wrong reasons. And for this reason, therefore, God was constantly rebuking the Jews for not offering him worship that was less than he deserved as their God. In spite of their many religious rituals, ceremonies, and their annual pilgrimages to Jerusalem, it just turned out that not all worshippers were true worshippers. They did not always give to God the honor and the respect that was due to his holy name. In the days of Jesus, the temple worship, according to his own words, was under the control of a den of thieves. So let us now consider just a few things 
of what the Bible says worship is expected to be. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 to 9, talked about vain, vain worship. Vain, that is useless worship. Vain worship is actually vainless worship. Matthew 15, 7 to 9. This, kind, this worship is the result of, you know, belief, a belief in following a set of rules and traditions taught by men while, at the same, while they ignore the commands of God on a particular subject. So vain worshippers believe in following a set of rules and traditions. You know what to do. You must do this. You must not do the other one. Do things the way we do. Um, so they believe in following a set of rules and traditions of men while ignoring the commands of God on a particular subject. Their worship is not done from the heart, but it is mere words. Mere words, a lot of times they are just repetitive words, meaningless, empty words. This is vain worship. It is useless worship. It is not offered to God of heaven. Number two, the Bible also talks about ignorant worship. Paul refers to this kind of worship in relation to his experience in Athens. Now the Athenians had erected, you know, statues to many gods, including one particular god whom they called the unknown god. So they worshipped, among, <laughs> among other gods, they worshipped the unknown God. And Paul took that opportunity to tell them who is a true God. So this is worship, you know, so this is worship is actually offered in absence of a knowledge of God's will concerning who he is and how he is to be worshipped. This unknown God. There's also in, in the Bible uh, what is what I would what is what I'd call self-imposed worship, which again Paul refers to in the book of Col Colossians chapter two, verse verse twenty to twenty-three. This worship closely is closely aligned with vain worship. It is useless and empty. It is the result of doing what we like and what we think is good. Not what the Bible says is good, but what we ourselves consider to be good to do. It should be evident then that not just any kind of worship is acceptable to God. There are different kinds that can be offered and they are offered by people all over the world, but only one is acceptable. Only one kind of worship is acceptable to God. And this is what we are calling in our message today, the heart of worship. This 
um, this name, actually this title, is, is borrowed from the title of a song that was popular in the late 1990s. This song is con concerned with the theme of, 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 um, of coming to the heart of worship. It's all about Lord. It's about you, Lord, this, the, the, the singer says. The song says, Therefore, worship is not about music, nor is it about me. My information concerning this song, the, the, you know, coming back to the heart of worship, is that uh, a pastor in a certain church was very discouraged, very unhappy with the deadness, lack of proper, in his church, lack of proper worship. I mean, people are cold. They were not responding to the goodness of the Lord. And so he decided to, to, to withdraw from the church, from worship, the entire sound system, the music, the music band, and left the people without any sound, without any music. Because many people were just coming there for entertainment. And, and after some time, people didn't know, what, didn't know what to do. Then in the course of time, they began to sing a cappella. And then, and then to, to take seriously uh, a call to worship and, and, and prayer. And then when, when people now learned to worship God from the depth of their heart without music, then the pastor brought back the music. Amen? And so this is the time when uh, a member of that congregation wrote this song, saying, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's not about me, it's about you, Lord. Amen? Not about the music. This because there's a time when music ceased and it is when people learned how to worship God in the true sense of the word. I think we need something like this in our churches too today. Why? Because many churches up to today actually think worship is just about singing. It's just about music. And so a lot of money is spent on music, equipment, the sound system and all that. And in fact, some churches have got fantastic music imported from I don't know where, but very, very sophisticated. But is worship offered to God from the heart or is it just entertainment? Let us know, my, my dear friends, that worship is God's idea. It is not just a song. It is not our gifts or anything else. True worship is not about me, it is about God. What then is true worship that pleases God, shall we, say, shall we, uh, we, 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 should, we should ask? True worship is as defined by Jesus himself. Now, in, his, in, in, in our reading, in, I mean, which covers uh, the, the discussion between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus says in chapter, in chapter 4 of John, verse 23, the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. But what is meant by these words? Spirit and truth. But first of all, notice the contrast being made by Jesus. 
in chapter 4 of John 19 to 24, which is part of our reading. In the Old Testament, and the Jew, you know, um, um, the Jews were obliged to go to Jerusalem to worship, as we said at the beginning. This is a contrast that Jesus is making. But now the time had come, Jesus is saying again, the time will come and the time has already come, meaning the coming of Jesus introduced a new era of worship. And that is the only worship that God desires. And so a time had come when Jerusalem or the temple there is no longer important. It is not long, it may be important but not essential. It is not necessary to leave your home and go to Jerusalem to worship there. It can be done where you are for the reasons that Jesus offered. What matters to God is that his worshipers do worship him in spirit and truth. That is the kind of worshipers God is looking for. Now to worship in spirit means to offer spiritual worship as opposed to worship that is physical or fleshly. Jesus began by, you know, talking to the, well, as he talked to this woman, he began by saying, God is spirit. That means he is unseen with our naked eyes. Therefore, the worship of God is to be spiritual also. That is more in keeping with his nature as spirit. From Hebrews 9, verses 1 to 10, we learn that the Old Testament worship consisted of various requirements. You know, a physical structure or the tabernacle, uh, later the temple, then special clothing for the priests, lampstands, burning of incense, instruments of music, animal sacrifices, all of which appeal to the physical senses. But in the New Testament, worship is geared more towards the spiritual side, the spiritual side of man, of our, of our being. God's temple is no longer a physical structure, but spiritual. The Bible says our hearts, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the temple is actually then made up of Christian, worshipping Christians, uh, according even to, uh, to Colossians 3.16, Ephesians 2.19-22. And Christians are also priests offering up spiritual sacrifices. And there are so many scriptures, 1 Peter, uh, Romans uh, 12, Hebrews 13 and all that. There are so many scriptures underlining that, uh, uh, that message. Now, so to worship in spirit and truth then is to offer up spiritual worship as taught in the New Testament and not the physical worship as practiced in the Old Testament. It is to worship God. It is to worship God in this Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. That means the, 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 the whole Trinity is, 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 uh, is, is involved in worship. We worship in the Holy Spirit and we worship God 
the Father, in the name of Jesus, the Son. So worship involves the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one's come to the Father except through him. And so you see, worship the Father in the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, not through anybody else. Any other kind of worship, therefore, is useless. It is not worship at all. So here's our challenge then, my friends, having heard and learned all that. My dear friends, the Samaritan woman was right in one particular thing. She said that, I know when the Messiah comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I who am speaking to you, I am he. In other words, I am the Messiah, so the time has come for us to stop com com competing about where to go and worship. Is it on this mountain or is it in Jerusalem? It is the time has come to stop following rules or a code of revelation worship. The time has come when priesthood is open to every believer in Jesus Christ. Priesthood, I mean worship, is not in the temple. The temple is our, our bodies, which have been re redeemed. So you see, there's a totally new way of worship in the New Testament, and that is what we should endeavor to offer to our God. Let us not be misled by anybody. And Jesus said, God is looking for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. So here is the question I want to ask you and myself. Will you be one of such worshipers? Will you be the kind of worshiper that God desires? Who worship him in spirit and truth? Well, the decision must come from you and from me. Amen. Thank you for listening. Let us pray. Father, we have no excuse. We have heard the message from the very words of Jesus Christ, whom you sent, the Messiah, who was coming to explain everything concerning God, you God, and concerning worship. Teach us, O oh God, to worship properly and correctly, to offer the kind of worship that pleases you. I thank you for giving us this opportunity to learn from words that you yourself spoke to this, to the, to this woman and which are now spoken to us. I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you.